they've taken control of most of Europe and Russia. Merciful heaven, an invasion. That's not all, Mr. President. I take it that's where your big idea comes in. Let me introduce you to the team. We said we would end this war. Too many people have died. We can stop this. We need to utilize every meta-human we can. Who you got there, Wonder Woman? I'm from the future. It's not impossible. Are you ready to end this war? I thought you'd never ask. Then, welcome to the team. If this goes haywire, blame the new guy. Turns out the Nazis are launching a surprise attack. Then we stop them. special episode of justice society presents this is our anthology podcast feed featuring a variety of shows and hosts celebrating some of our favorite comics and characters associated with the golden age of comics earth 2, the jsa and beyond now today's discussion is a standalone episode it's like a special and we're here to celebrate the release of the animated movie dedicated to the justice society this is amazing we start a podcast and they make a movie. I think the two are connected. Folks, my name is Shag, also known as The Amazing Amazon, and I'm one of your hosts. Along with me is an all-star roster of Earth 2 heroes. We've got Rob Yellow Gloves Kelly. I don't exist. <laughs> We've got Ryan, Man of the Hour Daily. I put the ASS in All-Star Squadron. <laughs> and Chris, fastest man alive, Franklin. Hey, me. <laughs> I think, uh, Chris Shag, I think Cindy would argue with that uh, nickname you just gave Chris. But... Well, actually, <laughs> she might be disappointed. I, you know, because how much they share TMI on the air, you're probably right. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> So this is great. We, we, Rob and I have done several episodes on the Justice Society feed, and ever since the trailer, we have promised that Chris Franklin and Ryan Daly and Max Romero will show up. It's about time, gentlemen. So when can people hear Chris, the Starman Chronicles, and Ryan, the Sandman Mystery Theater shows? Uh, for me, uh, wait. You know, there's that that sweet period between when uh, JLU cast will go on hiatus and uh, Supermates will start back up. For House of Frankenstein, so I'm hoping to get a Starman episode out in between those. So l- late summer, late summer. Now, if they're chomping at the bit to hear some already, where can they find some previous Starman Chronicles episodes? They can go back through the uh, Supermates uh, podcast feed right here on the network and find it. Find them there. Awesome. All right, Ryan. Now you're, you're speaking for both you and Max. Yeah, I thought that it was pretty obvious that that announcement of the show was a joke, and we weren't going to take it seriously. (laughs) Apparently, there's a lot of demand for it now, so Max and I are like, "Ah, okay, I guess we got to do something. Um, We we have some plans. It's it's too early at this point, but we're we're talking about the format. Um, We we will get together. I'm hoping to do some prep work over the summer and get some episode at least one episode out by the end of the year. That's honestly all I'm promising. 
the show is going to be somewhat irregular in how it comes out. It'll probably be somewhat more seasonal, and that's because while it will be an index show covering the, the stories like one at a time, uh, we're going to cover a whole story arc because Sandman Mystery Theater told a story over four issues. It was in four acts. Uh, and instead of doing one issue per episode, we're going to do one story arc per episode. So wrap up the series in 17 episodes, possibly. Um, and yeah, that'll take us like 19 years. All right. <laughs> well, in the meantime, could they check out the Sandman Slept Here blog, perhaps? Uh, they could. They'd be the first ones in a long time to do it. But <laughs> sure, I, I, I did blog about the first 20 issues, maybe, uh, way back in, like, 2015, 14, something, back, back before I started uh, podcasting. But, uh, yeah, yeah, if they wanted to, Sandman Slept Here. Sandmanfan.blogspot.com. Very creative. I love the way that uh, – oh, you ripped me off. Okay, fair enough. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of at the time. I was the only fan of anything out there anywhere. So, all right. Well, the, excellent. I know everyone is very excited and waiting for those shows, guys. And I am too. So uh, really looking forward to hearing both of them. So that's going to be awesome. Now, we are going to talk about the Justice Society movie, folks. Specifically, Justice Society World War II in just a minute. But first, we need to thank our sponsors. This episode of the Justice Society Presents is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping on orders of $50 or more. Now, Rob, what did you bring for this episode? Well, I'm going to talk about some World War II-era comics, but from the other side of the public publishing street, uh, namely uh, Timely Comics, a.k.a. Marvel. Of course, Timely did lots of great World War II-era uh, superhero comics featuring their characters, uh, killing Nazis, and, and uh, that's what you're supposed to do with Nazis anyways, kill them, set them on fire, <laughs> drop them in molten lava, whatever you got to do to kill a Nazi, that's, it's worthy uh, to do it. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Timely's Greatest Golden Age Submariner by Bill Everett Hardcover. This is, um, it features, I mean, everyone knows the Submariner. We remember we uh, covered, uh, Shag and I covered the story from uh, Marvel Comics number one back when Ryan made us cover that entire comic a couple of months ago. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, years <laughs> ago. Years ago at this point. And this reprints, the, the, the collection of stories here is amazing. Mar it reprints material from Marvel Comics number one, Marvel Mystery two through 31, Human Torch two through six, Submariner one through four, all winners comics one through four, Daring Mystery comics seven through eight, and comedy comics number nine. <laughs> I'm dying to know what uh, what comedy comics was. I guess it was a more humorous way of killing Nazis. I guess uh, this is uh, it's worked by <laughs> Bill Everett, the creator of the Submariner. This is eight hundred. And 72 pages. Oh, my gosh. So um, if you have an airplane that you don't want to move down the runway, you just put this uh, in front of one of the tires and put your Huzu Omnibus in front of the other tire, and that plane will stay in place. <laughs> the normal price is $150, but in-stock trades price is $87. You save 42%. So, I mean, this is a huge hunk of Submariner, and I use that word in every sense. I uh, use that, uh, that word in every sense of the, uh, the way. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so anyway, Timely's Greatest Golden Age Submariner by Bill Everett. Uh, way, to, way to leaning into your type, Rob, with the water guys. So nicely done. <laughs> That's right. Ryan, what do you got, buddy? Well, I had no idea what Rob was going to pick, but I chose Timely's Greatest, the Golden Age Submariner by Bill Everett, the post-war years. <laughs> this is basically <laughs> a, a sequel. Um, so after Bill Everett left, got out of service at World War II, he came back and started working on Namor again, this time giving him green gloves. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and Everett, I mean, his, his, he was old. He was no longer a teenager, if you can imagine, uh, working on the character this time. His, his art had kind of more sophisticated. Essentially, this is the same type of thing. It's, it's stories from the 40s, actually into the 50s. And this is a collection. I'm not going to read all the issues because it kind of spread out, but it collects a handful of books from Submariner comics, Namora, Marvel Mystery comics, Human Torch comics, Blonde Phantom comics, and Young Men. Uh, and Men's Adventure. Those were the, the 50s ones when they were doing some, uh, when they tried to revitalize Human Torch, Captain America, and Submariner in the 50s. Um, basically, yeah, it, it's another big, like, golden age, you know, pre, pre-Stana Jack, Fantastic Four, Namor stories. Uh, this one is only 568 pages. Um, the original price is $125. Again, it's one of these big-ass omnibuses. However, the in-stock trades price right now, if you get it this week, $56.24. That is a savings of 55% off the cover. So, yeah, check that out. Impressive. So very similar to Rob's pick, just less Nazi, less Nazi punching. So all right, that's fair. You're kind um, in that end of that one. Yeah. Like <laughs> <the point. laughs> uh, my pick was a little bit different. I we we've identified so many JSA books over the uh, the different episodes of this podcast. So I, I leaned a little bit differently. I, I've said a couple times one of my favorite JSA related series was the Hour Man series written by Tom Payer. So I found a book by Tom Payer which looks amazing, which I'm absolutely going to go out and buy now. It's from 2019. It's called Hashtag Danger, trade paperback, volume one, Panic on Dinosaur Mountain. This thing sounds hilarious. First of all, it's written by Tom Pear, so you know it's damn good. Again, the guy wrote Iron Man and so many other things. Art is by Chris, I can't say his name, but Gia Russo. He's the guy that draws the little mini Marvels and G-Man, like those super adorable, almost peanuts, kind of Calvin and Hobbes looking Marvel characters and stuff like that. So the art is super cute. And the idea is it's these, these three scientific adventurers. They go off and they do these sounds like Indiana Jones kind of stuff. But the, the thing is they're all fighting these threats, but they're only when they're not being too busy being complete jerks to each other. And the cover is this great painting, uh, not by Chris uh, Jerry. I can't say that. Gary, so whatever. Thank you. He's a great artist and I'm hooked up with him on Facebook, but apparently I can't say his name. Anyway, it's a painted cover to look like one of these old adventure uh, pulp novels where it shows like the three characters drowning in quicksand and they're surrounded by snakes and alligators. But one of the girls has her phone out and is taking a selfie of all of them because that's more important than the fact that they're all drowning. So this thing looks like an absolute hoot. Uh, normally retails for $17.99, but it's 25% off right now, so it's only $13.49, 168 pages, amazing creative team. The publisher's called Ahoy Comics. I am definitely going to check this out. And again, it's uh, by a JSA alumni. So uh, for these and all your trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Now, we also need to take a second to thank you folks at home. This episode is sponsored in part with your Patreon support because, you know, running the Firewater Podcast Network with so many shows and hosting and various costs and things like that. It takes some money, and that's where you guys stepped in to help, and we sincerely appreciate it. Uh, and Rob, why don't you tell the folks where they can find our Patreon? Patreon.com slash podcast. Appreciate that. And if folks go out there, take a look at the site, and if you're enjoying shows like this or other shows on the network, please consider supporting our network. And at certain sponsorship tiers, you'll get thanked on your favorite Fire Water shows, just like these folks who asked specifically to be thanked on the JSA Presents show. Heath G. Baker, Joe Tonello, Ted Kilvington, David Ace Gutierrez, Gord Tolton of Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders <laughs> Vigilante Podcast, and Joshua Romano. Our thanks to all of you folks and all of our Patreon supporters. I sincerely appreciate it. We would not be on the air without your help. So, folks, again, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. All right, Rob, uh, rumor has it you're our movie guy, so why don't you lead us through a discussion? 
Well, yes, uh, this Justice Society movie, World War, subtitled World War II, just came out a couple of days ago. Uh, it's a direct-to-video title. Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much everything is nowadays, thanks to COVID. Uh, <laughs> the, the plot is such. It's, here's the logline off of uh, IMDb. It's spoiler-free. The Justice Society of America, a group of heroes aiding the Allies in World War II, acquire an ally from the future who sends them on an adventure that changes history. Uh, so we'll get into the cast and stuff uh, later on. But right at the outset, so we're going to assume most of you have not seen this movie uh, just yet. It's available on streaming platforms. It's available in digital media. We're going to have a fight about that later on. Um, but <laughs> before we get into that, we don't want to spoil it just yet. So we are each going to give like a one or two sentence, very brief overview of what we thought of this movie. Uh, and then we will do a spoiler section. And then after that, we'll be spoiling it very heavy. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, you'll be safe through this section and then don't listen any further until you've seen the movie. So let me, let's start with, let's start with Ryan. Ryan, what is your spoiler free overall thoughts on justice society? World war two. Uh, I did not like it. <laughs> I don't okay. hate it. Um, but I, I can't say that it's a good movie. It has characters that are beloved, especially by our, our community and our fans who, who love the JSA and some of these characters. And I think there is a lot in this movie to enjoy. But story-wise, I think it is very problematic. I think there are characters that are not used effectively or they don't know what to do with these characters or they're kind of superfluous. And I think halfway through the movie, it forgets what it's supposed to be about and changes directions kind of like abruptly, almost like from dusk till dawn. Like you think you're watching one movie and all of a sudden it's just like, wait, how, what just happened? What movie am I watching right now? This is really different and really jarring. That that change up, uh, yeah, I wasn't really a fan of it. So, I mean, it's... It's the JSA. It's characters like Hawkman and Black Canary and Our Man and and Wonder Woman in like a World War II setting. It's there's so much that you want to root for about this story, but I don't think they stuck the landing at all. So a couple of things I takeaways from that is one, uh, Ryan doesn't understand the meaning of one or two sentences, <laughs> and two, we all have forgotten the BVS Accords we signed where we said we would never invite Ryan on a movie review podcast again. So I apologize to everyone for that. Was that what the BVS Accords were? I didn't know that that's what they said. (laughs) It was just one of the many things we learned from that. All right. right. Once we get in the spoiler section, I'm off the chain. (laughs) Just like like Baron Zemo said, have you even even visited the memorial? No, you haven't, right? All right, so Chris, uh, your overall uh, thoughts on uh, Justice Society World War II? I will try to keep mine to actual two sentences. Uh, I love the concept of this movie that it exists. I did not care for the overall uh, execution of this movie. Uh, Yeah, that's my overall statement. I love, love, love that they did this. I just wish they'd done it better. I said the same thing, except my sentences were run-ons. They had <laughs> no, many, many independent clauses. Shag? <laughs> this film is full of a bunch of really amazing scenes, a bunch of amazing moments, uh, some great characters. And they strung those things together to make a movie. And uh, there's a lot to cheer for in this film. Yeah, say hi. I like that. I said the same thing, too. All right. Well, my review is is uh, something I never thought I'd ever hear myself say, which is, I like this until Aquaman showed up. 
<laughs> I <laughs> just never thought I would utter those words in that order, but 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 here we are. So uh, okay, we'll get because <laughs> we're uh, let everybody. We're moving forward with spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, don't keep or you have no interest in seeing the movie. Uh, you can move forward, but if you want to see the movie, uh, hit pause and come back to us later. So, all right, let's talk about. I, the, yes, go ahead. I got it. I got it. Well, I was going to give everyone a chance to hit stop on their phone. I got to complain about something. So, the, technically, the movie came out a couple of weeks ago digitally, and the physical version just came out on on Tuesday of this week. And I ordered mine months ago, guys, months and months and months ago. And I've been so excited. I pre-ordered it. I decided to get the DVD because you get the, the all the extra bonus stuff and you get a digital version, all this stuff. I'm like, all right. And I'm the one months ago who said we should do an episode for this. And my damn delivery didn't come until about 15 minutes before we we're supposed to record this stupid show tonight. So I had to not only buy the damn thing, I had to pay to rent the damn thing digitally too, so that I could watch it in order to do this show. So I'm pissed off <laughs> that's, that's imagine imagine when that ship got lodged in the suez canal there was one package that fell off the boat in the water, <laughs> and it was shag's copy <laughs> it took one guy had to dive into, into the canal to get it and he came up two days late the the lesson to learn folks is physical media is dead it's dead <laughs> just do digital i was really upset that you couldn't rent the thing uh, initially, because I, I ended up buying it. Uh, but were you? I didn't notice. Yeah, Shag and I had a whole argument about that. Because to <laughs> me, it's like all movies should be available for rent. You should not make someone blind buy something. And this was a blind buy. Now, of course, Chris just told us that, like, it's what? It's on Voodoo you can rent it? Voodoo well, and Prime. Like, the day it came out physically, I guess okay. it yeah. rental on Voodoo and Prime right. and places okay. like that. Yeah. At the very least, you can rent it now. I, I find blind but, buying to be just completely offensive. Well, well the way it was is it, 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 when it came out digitally, you had to purchase it. It wasn't until the physical media was shipped three weeks later that they then made it available for digital rentals. Right. So, really, it was just you whining for three weeks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's $20 versus $6 dollars too i mean that's yeah 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 Yeah. now that it's yeah now that it's in blockbuster stores you can rent it physically and digitally (laughs) (laughs) so all right there's one blockbuster left so it's there it's in that one blockbuster that's left and you go yeah i gotta go the way to oregon to rent justice society world war ii right right yeah um so all right let's just do a quick overview of the cast and then we can we can get into the character details later uh astana katik is uh is wonder woman Matt Bomer is the Flash. Omid Abtahi uh, is Carter Hall, Hawkman. Darren Chris is Superman. Chris Diamantopoulos is Steve Trevor. Matthew Mercer is our man. Alicia Rotaru is Black Canary. Armin Taylor is Jay Garrick Flash. Yes, I said two flashes. <laughs> Liam McIntyre is Aquaman. Keith Ferguson is Dr. Fate. Jeffrey Arend is the advisor. Darren DePaul as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And Brainiac and Ashley Lathrop as Irish West um, or Iris West, excuse me. Um, so, okay, we we got into our initial thoughts on this. I, uh. <laughs> it's not. It's all. It's not a terrible. Regardless of what you heard in the beginning, it's not a terrible movie. It's just not what we were all hoping for. Let me. All right, I'll get into the thing I really liked. Let's talk. About, let's talk. About, let's talk about the animation. Let's start with that because mm-hmm. I really liked the animation. Um, one of the things I have not liked about the previous DC animated movies, for the most part, is this weird um, style they do, where like everybody is like super roided out, and they look to me very goonish and bizarre. And uh, I always like the Bruce Timm style, and I don't know why they don't just follow that for all the movies, but like all the like the Public Enemies and 
all of the, I just don't like that style, but this looks more like a comic book. Um, it has a, it has like a thicker ink line. So to me, they look more like what you would see in a comic book. And I really like that a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was a nice departure visually from the other movies. Uh, what did you guys think of the animation? Chris, why don't you start? Yeah. Um, I like the, uh, designs, um, like you said, I like this. The uh, the style is definitely more of a natural style. I think they started that with this uh, the Superman Man of Tomorrow movie that came oh, out. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think they basically restarted. That's why. I mean, that actually. Spoiler warning: We actually, you know, uh, we've got some universe building here in this in this film. But um, yeah, I, I like this new style. I did not like the extreme traps, you know, that the, uh, <laughs> the crazy neck muscles that they had, uh, in the new 52 movie series that they did. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I prefer this. Um, my one comment about the style was I, I didn't understand why everybody had like redneck belt buckles. Why does Flash <laughs> need a, <laughs> need a lightning bolt on his belt? Uh, in addition to, uh, it's just like, that's hard to animate. Why are you putting more detail in? Why does our <laughs> man have an hourglass on his cape? But no, other than those, I really, I really like the designs. Cindy wasn't sure she liked Wonder Woman's bouffant hairstyle, but, uh, other, other than that, uh, you know, uh, I, I liked, I liked the look of it. I thought the animation was pretty good. It was a little, it was a little stiff in some sequences and in others, it was like super fluid. Like there's this really cool sequence where black canaries just go into town and the animation is just like really, really well done. It was really nice. So, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a little mixed, but yeah, overall it's a, it's got a nice, it's got a nice visual style to it. Ryan, what did you think of the look? Yeah, piggybacking on what Chris was saying, I felt like in a lot of the action sequences, they, the animators were hitting it and like the direction was really tight. There was a lot of fluidity to the animation. Um, a lot of the combat sequences and Wonder Woman basically doing the same thing she does in her first movie. Um, like a lot of that stuff was really, really good. But when it slowed down and you had more of the, like the talky scenes and everything, it's just, all of a sudden, the, it, it feels like the director just didn't, like, wasn't cutting things fast enough. And there would just be, like, times when you're just looking at a face and they're, like, giving a moment to, like, think about their answer before they say something really kind of clipped. Which, if you're looking at a live-action performance and everything, you can read more emotion and get more subtlety and nuance from the actor. But when it's just this 2D animation style, then it's like, did I accidentally hit pause? Come on, you got to move this scene a little bit quicker. Um, so sometimes I, I felt like some of the talky scenes, I, I didn't think like and that, and that's less to do with the animation style and more to do with, I think the directing and the pacing. Um, but most of the fight scenes and the action sequences, I, they were fun to look at. Interesting. Uh, we all picked up on a lot of similar things. I'll echo very quickly. Uh, Chris, that scene of black canary running around on the tentacle monster and just leaping and blasting and leaping and blasting. I mean, I, I wrote that down is like one of my favorite moments in the movie. It is artistically animation wise. It's gorgeous. And then Ryan, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. It's Hawkman and black canary kind of having a shipping moment, kind of friends, whatever. And yeah, there, there's an emotion, several emotional beats where they're trying, they're searching for words. You know, you hear it in the act, the voice actors performance, but the animation, you're like, yeah, it's just sitting there. Hmm, I, I, I was grinding my teeth during that scene because it wasn't just that like, like it, it like the, the dialogue and like the acting was kind of like slowed down, but I felt like the movie actually paused the plot and they're like, Oh, we need to give these two characters something to do. 
Like they, they really don't serve a purpose in the story. We need to give them a plot. So they gave them this scene to kind of flesh out these things, but it felt like for like two minutes, like the movie just like stopped the story to kind of kick in on their lives. And it was, it was really abrupt and it, it took me out of the moment and it, it kind of, for me at least, it kind of showed a spotlight on, you don't really have anything for these characters to do. And yeah. It didn't bother me uh, as far as the story beat. I thought it gave it, it I guess it, it, when you mentioned it, I can kind of say, okay, you're right. I guess they didn't have a lot, but they still did a lot. Like, I thought Black Canary had all the badass action scenes in the movie. Um, she did. She had a lot. Yeah. I, I, I mean. Well, well let's hold on. We're, we're, that, that's my fault. We're delving into characters, and I took us on. No, actually, it's probably your fault. Anyway. Uh, no, it's your fault, Shane. Okay, that's, that's fine. We'll come hey, back to that. It can be my fault, too. As far as animation goes, what I was no, going to say is... No, it was Shag's fault. Let's please, please. Let's... <laughs> Lord. Anyway, as far as animation goes, Rob, they actually, in the old DC animated movies, when they started in 2007, it used to actually change movie to movie. Like, the Death of Superman had echoes of Bruce Timm style. The Public Enemies had echoes of Ed McGuinness style, because that's who drew the comic. So they, they really did change it up in the early movies. Once they hit the New 52 movies, it all became very samesy and was okay, gross. Right. And um, so I'm glad, yeah, I thought this animation style was much more fluid. I love the costume designs. Uh, you know, the belt buckles aside, I mean, I, I did think it was weird that Hawkman had the, the number three, you know, the Dale Earnhardt Eliminator belt uh, costume, whatever. Um, okay, that, did, that didn't really happen, folks. Anyway, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the animation looked great, and the action scenes were just off the chain. Amazing. They were great. I will get into all right. I will get into the two things that frustrated me the most about this movie. One, I understand why they did it, and the other one, I don't. And, and you guys can see whether you agree with me or disagree with me. One, I don't like... I disagree. Okay, thank you. Uh, I don't like that it's a framing story with Superman and the Flash. I, I just wish the whole story had just sort of been just a society. Uh, like, you know, it, it, it feels like it's because the uh, Earth, quote-unquote, Earth One Superman and Flash bracket this movie, it feels like it's their story, not so much just a society. And I'm like, well, you know, just let is the JSA not enough to sell it? And I guess the answer to that is no, they're not. They need to have marquee characters, and they can't. They don't want to have Batman, so they got to work in Superman and Flash. So, I, no, go ahead. I, so I understand why they did that creatively and probably for financial reasons. But I wish they hadn't. I wish it had just been the whole Justice Society and that their story. That's it. Before you move on to your second point, why don't we all tackle that point? So I think okay, we yeah, probably right. all have feelings. Ryan, you go ahead. So I, I agree. Like, by the time we got to the end of the movie, I was like, I don't think you needed Superman and Batman in this movie. You could have taken that framing Batman. part out of it. I don't, sorry, Superman and Flash. <laughs> um, I, I, I think you could have taken that whole framing part out of the movie because for the, as much as, I mean, we see that Barry – and it, 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 it's – designed to set up it, you think that Barry has traveled back in time. Eventually they realize, no, he didn't travel back to World War II. He has actually jumped universes. He's on a different Earth. Uh, and that's why there's all these conflicts. But I don't know that that necessarily paid off anything other than the fact that on that world, Clark Kent didn't realize he should be Superman. He had a different uh, upbringing and everything, so he needs to be kind of inspired. But I felt like, I mean, Flash was a spectator for most of it. Even during the last battle, we don't see him doing much during that last. We see everybody else. So I was like, you could have, you could have and probably should have taken the frame device completely out of it. And to, to Rob's point about why he thinks they did it, I mean, are they, are they saying that 
Flash is a more marquee and more bankable character than Wonder Woman, because I, I think once we when we first get to the World War II setting, it's lifted straight out of Wonder Woman's movie and the most popular part of that. And I think if they'd sold this as Wonder Woman and the Justice Society of America, I think it would have done just as well as as a movie with Flash going to a world that already has another Flash and the World War II characters. So I, I think I don't know if if they thought that. You know, seeing Superman and Flash for five minutes in the beginning and then going to just, if that was an easier sell than just a Wonder Woman-led super team, that's showing not a lot of faith in this property, which is uh, doesn't necessarily surprise me. But I I don't know. So I'm with Rob that I I don't think they needed the framing device in this. But unlike him, I think it, I, I, I don't know why they even chose it. I can I can address that exactly. I believe. Um, <clears throat> first off, I completely agree. It, it, it not only is it head scratcher, it, it's irritating because Flash serves no point in the movie. In fact, there's a whole bunch of points in the movie where you're like, okay, once you get to the end, you realize he can go back in time or go to his dimension, or whatever, at any point. Why the hell did he stay around? It just it doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, I like the whole engagement ring thing. That was cute. But either way, this was a Wonder Woman movie. If you watch the film, it is without a doubt. It's a Wonder Woman and the JSA. Uh, but there is this old myth or whatever that DC animated had this lack of confidence in the Wonder Woman animated movies. Because early on, they did a Wonder Woman movie, and they kept saying over and over that it underperformed, which was complete BS. It actually is like the number eight most successful of the DC animated movies they've ever done. It's made a ton of money. It's also the- better than either of the live-action movies. <laughs> But there's this mystique that the Wonder Woman anime movie didn't do well. Then in 2019, they released Wonder Woman Bloodlines, which which is an animated movie, which actually did do very poorly. It is the least financially successful DC animated movie. So they probably don't have a lot of confidence in Wonder Woman in animation right now. So I think that's why they played it safe and put the Flash and Superman in there. But it's completely a waste. I mean, it's like, okay, the movie's already only 85 minutes. Take out Flash and Superman, it would have only been like 60 minutes maybe. And, uh, okay, I'll take, a, I'll take a one. I'd rather have one hour than have 15 extra minutes of padding. Yeah. Chris, what did, I, yeah, Chris, what did you think? Well, I, I agree. I, I don't think it was necessary. And it even it, – it's really head-scratching because when you bring up the Flash and his role in this movie, it, it kind of – the whole thing with the, the, the engagement ring – there was a Wonder Woman alludes to a conversation that Flash Barry and her had about relationships that was never on screen. Um, this movie. Oh wow! I, I didn't like, pick up on that. I feel like this movie was like longer, and they cut it down because there's a couple scenes in this that where they reference things that it's like did they cut something? I mean, that they never had this conversation. You know, basically Wonder Woman gives you know Barry the ring, and and then he's going to come back and give it to Iris, and that kind of makes the that kind of ties that that bow. But it's like they didn't <laughs> they didn't even cross the strings in the movie. You know, so um, hmm. it's 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 really it doesn't work. I, I think the point of view they could have had a new young. Uh, member of the JSA join and be the same POV character. Like they could have had the Adam Al Pratt, you know, be in, in the, the flash character, or God Johnny, help Thunder. Us, Johnny Thunder, yeah, <laughs> God help us, Johnny Thunder or, or somebody else, or, or maybe another speedster, maybe Johnny quick, you know, maybe Johnny quick could be uh, Johnny chambers also filming the war, you know, um, uh, something like that. And, and Superman, the whole deal with Superman. I don't, I don't understand, like, Dr. Fate pulls Barry back 
into the past to convince Clark Kent to become Superman in this timeline. But where the hell did he get the suit? And what? I, okay, who, what? who the who the hell's in the jail cell that hands them the Superman costume? Who says I came back here for this? He told me you'd be here. What the hell? Who the hell was is that, that? Was that Commandy or something? It kind of looked <laughs> like Commandy. I mean, it's like they didn't explain that. They didn't. We'll get to what else they didn't explain. But yeah, none of that made a damn lick of sense. I'm sorry. It, it just, you know, I know it was cool to get, oh, look, Superman showed up, even kind of like the, the uh, you know, the classic JSA origin from, you know, the 70s, the Paul Levitz and Joe Staten, JSA origin. Superman, like, comes in and, like, takes out the Nazi bombers, right? You know, uh, so that's great. But it's like, couldn't, I would have rather had Superman been our Superman, like, time tossed with the flash and amnesiac, you know, like he'd forgot who he was and they had to like jumpstart his memory. And then, Oh yeah, I'm Superman. And then the two of them go back together or something, you know, or, or have Superman go back in time instead of the flash, since you've already got a flash in, in the world war two setting in earth two, and you don't need two of them, you know, mm-hmm. actually have. So what is this? Like, this is a world without Superman. What a difference he could make there or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, that, that whole, the whole thing about it, like this, this Clark, who they call Shakespeare, which, okay. Um, and I think the whole thing, like with him having a mustache was just because, so they could have a joke about him shaving at the end. I'm like, all right, come on guys. Um, but the Henry because, joke? I don't know. <laughs> but well, be, because that whole reveal, that change in him wasn't earned, at the end, when he takes out all the Nazi bombers out of nowhere, it's like, wait a minute, and we're, we're getting to the spoiler here, but like, the Justice Society just fought this war against Atlantis, and now the Nazis are going to show up and go and wipe out everything? Like, so the whole last half hour battle didn't really matter because there's this second invasion that's completely unconnected going to wipe everybody out, and they don't have anybody to stop it until Superman shows up out of nowhere. So it's just a lot of like, why here? Like that was the, like why? You, yeah, uh, it's it's frustrating. It, it is connected. It, I I had to go back and look through a scene to figure out how it was connected. The, the whole theory is you've got this advisor to Aquaman who traps the JSA on purpose. He his job is to soften up New York with the monsters to make way for the Nazis to come in. So that they are connected. But yeah. it's but Superman as a Deus Machina, I mean, was irritating as hell. Like the fact that you know you see all these bombers going, and I'm thinking, okay, how the hell is the JSA going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? And then he shows up, and like you said, it's completely unearned. And he wins the day, and I'm like, oh, well, it doesn't really feel like a JSA movie anymore. It feels like a Superman movie now. And it just was really disappointing. And I loved so many moments in this movie. It's just the overall plot. I didn't. So halfway through the movie, it stops being a World War II movie. Like, I kept looking at the cover, like, why is this called World War II? Because... Halfway through the movie, like once they go underwater, and they—you're right. Like when Rob said the movie was good until Aquaman showed up, it it forgets what movie it's about because the second half, this whole battle of New York. Okay, first of all, they're in they're in America in New York, which is not a setting you usually associate with World War II, and they're fighting the Atlanteans who have, like, soldiers that look like the animated Mr. Freeze and giant squid and crab monsters running around. So it's basically an alien invasion. It looks like the last act of the Avengers. And it doesn't look anything like World War II. So, like, it, it, the movie just forgot what it was about and changed, like, halfway through it. It's also kind of strange that the, they unleashed the monsters in the Bermuda Triangle and then decided to just pass over the entire eastern seaboard and wait till they get to New York to attack? Really? That's a little weird. 
Now, Rob, you can go ahead and mention your second point, which is completely wrong. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, Look, we all know that I am always happy that Aquaman is included in things. I am bewildered, though, why they felt the need to insert Aquaman into this story uh, when he is not typically a World War II character, as uh, Shag, you like to constantly harp on. (laughs) Um, But basically, uh, we get to hear Aquaman say, Heil Hitler. So, super. Um, he shows up and he is in throughout the entire movie. He is under the control of a Nazi until he wakes up and then basically says, Oh, gee, sorry, everybody, and disappears. He and doesn't say sorry, he just leaves, and he doesn't even say that. <laughs> so, basically, have I done? Yeah, yeah basically, Aquaman is Hawkeye in the Avengers without the cool parts where Hawkeye gets to be an Avenger. Uh, I am so frustrated that that was the choice they made to bring him to shoehorn him into this story when they had a thousand other jsa characters you could have done uh that are typically from that era and then make him just be a puppet of some nazis and then he doesn't even stick around to help finish cleaning up everything the the, one of his big cthulhu monsters grabs him and they go back into the sea and that's it like wow thanks aquaman like i i'm I, I was like, I, he's got to come in at the end, right? Like, no, he's gone. He's done. He's out of the movie. And I, I am just completely bewildered at that creative choice. Yeah, that was the fact that he didn't. I mean, I, I was exactly the same way. It's like, okay, he's going to command, uh, you know, the, the kaiju to attack the yep. Nazis. And that's, you know, that's how he's going to re, somewhat redeem himself uh, here. And no. And I, I mean, it's like, wow, this is not how you, you know, this is Aquaman, guys. This isn't some character you created to betray everybody like Terra or something. No, this is Aquaman. You got to have him do, you know, I mean, even, we haven't got there yet, but even in in Justice League, when when Stargirl, I mean, Stargirl, when Hawkgirl betrays the Justice League, spoilers, at the the end in Starcross, she does, you know, end up helping them. I mean, you know, she does redeem herself somewhat. I mean, there's still definitely hurt feelings that go on for the next season, but you've got to have that moment and they don't give him that moment. And I don't think we're going to get a sequel. <laughs> so, no, no, I, we're yeah. not. <laughs> so, did, did that, uh, what? I saw I'm wrong about this. Shay? Well, no, no. Well, okay. I, you're right. You're, you are right about a big part of it, but Aquaman being the unexpected villain in that shocking Heil Hitler moment was actually a great surprise. And what this movie really, really should have been is billed as was Wonder Woman versus Aquaman. That's what this movie was, was Wonder Woman versus Aquaman. And that that concept is really pretty amazing and awesome. And I enjoyed the fights between them. I liked him as the mind control bad guy. But you're right. What the movie needed in order for that plot to to be stomachable, if that's a word, would be instead of Superman taking out the Nazis, and I hadn't even thought of this. I think it was Chris who just said it. Whoever, whoever said it was brilliant. Yeah, the, the the heel turn at the end should have been Aquaman coming to his senses and making the kaiju take out the Nazis. That would have been the redemption. That would have made all the fighting okay and everything else. But up until that point, I I liked about Aquaman as the mind control bad guy. I thought, okay, this is cool. You've got two tentpole characters, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and, and giving them a reason to fight. That's not just Martha. You know, it's a uh, it, it was a good battle, and their fights were really cool. In fact, it really makes me want to see a Jason Momoa versus Gal Gadot movie now. But yes, it needed the redemptive arc, which we did not get. I, that, so, uh, I, I, I might be, I might be with. Uh, I could almost 
side with Shag on this in terms of like the the having like the Battle of the Titans as Aquaman versus Wonder Woman. Except like Rob, like once you have Aquaman say Heil Hitler, it's kinda like in the comics, like when when Captain America says Hail Hydra, mm-hmm. like, yes, this is part of the story. We realize there is a narrative point to this, but that is such a loaded term that there's a portion of the fan base that is just going to be irrevocably hurt by just hearing those words and and feel a kind of emotional betrayal. And I was just like, seriously? Um, also, it's going to get like, turned into a meme by every alt-right Nazi goon out there now. You yeah, know? he was already the Korean Superman. He really had to go all the way. Uh. Um, now, the advisor, do we just think that's Max Lord and for some reason they just never said the name? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I've been wondering. I've, I've got written down Vandal Savage with a question mark. I've got Orm written down with a question mark. He literally, in the credits, he's, he's noted as advisor. I, I, I don't know. And he escapes, by the way. He gets away yeah. after killing Steve Trevor. The only one that I can think of is in the Golden Age by uh, Robinson and, uh, you know, James Robinson and uh, uh, oh, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul Smith. Uh, Paul, Paul, Paul Smith. Smith. Paul Smith. Yeah, Paul, I want to say Paul Levitz. Obviously not. Paul Smith. Yeah, um, there was a character called, was this Der Tuffle or something? And he, he was actually, like, in that book, it explained he was the one that that was like could control the heroes if they came into Europe. It wasn't the Spirit of Destiny that was all a bunch of crap. This guy was the guy that was the one that was that had these mental powers that could control them. So I don't know if they picked that up because he was a Nazi. And I don't know if they picked that guy out of this, but they never said who he was. You know, Cindy's like, I thought he might have been Vandal Savage mm-hmm. or something, you know, or but it's like they never said who he was or it, it was like why he was such an important character in this movie that's like literally he was like Loki. He even look like loki it was like rob i mean ron's right they kind of just like oh, let's just do the avengers at the end of this movie you know we did wonder woman in the first half now let's do the avengers in the second half we'll use aquaman as hawkeye and we'll use this guy as loki and it's you know, it's just i mean he yeah i don't know who that guy was supposed to be but it's like you should have gave a hint and if he's gonna show up again as these movies because i think these movies i don't know if we're gonna see the jsa again but they're definitely hinting this is helping to, you know, Flash and Superman shake hands, we should be a team. This is going to lead to their building the Justice League because even Dr. Fate says, don't tell him about the league, you know. Uh, so we might hear from this guy again, but we needed more. We needed something from this guy, you know. It's, yeah, just way underdeveloped. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like I said, I was so, when the, when the trailer came out and Aquaman was in it, I was so pleasantly surprised. I thought, wow. And I thought he had like a cameo. But even then, I was happy. You know, I was like, oh, my God, that's great. And then to see that he's uh, – so that, that part was just complete. And don't that was not, you know, based on some creative uh, box office decision. Like, oh, people really want to see the yellow gloves Aquaman. Like, no, that was <laughs> kind of a nerd thing to bring him in, and I don't understand. So, okay, we've been dunking on this movie most of this episode, and, and, and let, we, let's turn it around here. We're going to talk about some things that we – did like because there were some things I did like about this movie. All the stuff with the JSA, I really like. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Black Canary. I love that she's got the Domino mask. Like that was just again a nice touch, the extra bit of work for the animators. Everything involving the JSA fighting World War II, I really liked, and it made me just say, well, "I don't need the rest of this stuff. Just give me these five JSAers kicking Nazi butt." I mean, I know you, you need more of a movie a plot for the movie than that, 
But I really thought they visually, I thought it worked really well. I liked Hawkman. They're, they're kind of um, their own version of the Hawkman mask. Which is yeah, I like the adaptation mask. of the, of the one the, the the beak one. I like that Wonder Woman taught as, as played by Stana Kadic, as we said, is she's basically doing a riff on Gal Gadot because she's got that accent, uh, which is and she looks like the HG Peter Wonder Woman with that bun hairdo, which Chris mentioned earlier. So like all the stuff with the JSA, I really liked, and I was like more of this. And then every time Barry Allen showed up, I was like, ah. All right. <laughs> you know, so like, <laughs> they had something really good there, and then they just dress it up. So I could keep turning negative. J- the JSA part, loved it. Yeah. Total. Uh, Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, yeah, I agree. It's uh, That's the parts. I mean, when they were in action, and I love that, you know, they each kind of had their own character, and, uh, and you know, they kind of keyed off the way that uh, Robinson portrayed uh, Our Man in the Golden Age and then uh, in, uh, in Star Man, that he was kind of the – He's kind of the scrappy, tough guy, but he's smart, too. I like that him and Jay were the scientists, and they, they knew all these theories. I mean, I, I did like that. They had, like, the little – they were like the JSA science committee talking about <laughs> all these, these different theories of, you know, quantum you know quantum theories and different things like that and time travel and don't know paradoxes and all this. I thought that was really cool. Uh, so they did have some good character bits, and I like the bits with uh, – with Hawkman and Black Canary, I mean, for a minute there, I thought, "Oh, is Black Canary going to be Shira in this?" You know, I wondered. I wondered that too. Yeah, I'm like, you know, it's a bird. She's a bird. You know, hey, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, I thought that was those were neat touches. I, yeah, it's like we needed more of that and less of all that other stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, I actually during that sort of shipping stuff, I was thinking it was reminding me of Squadron Supreme, how Lady Lark and Blue Eagle hooked up. And uh, which was the the analogs for Black Canary and Hawkman. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm kind of seeing this. And I'm, you mm. know, and Black Canary did get the cool, not only that tentacle monster one, when she fought the shark monster and literally stripped his flesh off his skeleton. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that was, just, that was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say the best Black Canary animated representation I've ever seen, but it's up there. It was pretty amazing. Um, I like that she was emotional too. I mean, she was upset that her friend was killed and she fought through the tears though. She, she was crying, but she was kicking all the ass at the same time. And I like that. I think this was an amazing representation for our man. Oh like, man, he looked great. Yeah. He looked yeah. great. His mask made sense, <laughs> which yeah. is rare for him. And he was so freaking strong. I mean, he was the strongest one on the team and I don't, well, Wonder Woman's probably stronger, but he, they clearly showed his strength. You know, they always say strength of 10 men. You're like, okay, well, how good is that? He was throwing <laughs> cars around. I mean, he really came off looking like a boss. And I just, ten I love that. is such a relative term. 10, I know, ten right. strong men, 10 podcasters. That's a big difference. <laughs> right? yeah. 10 Lou Ferrignos. But uh, anyway, I just, I thought that our man got a lot of uh, awesome bank from this that he doesn't normally get so that made me very very happy there was a great hero moment where the whole team runs right at you and it looks great like everyone runs and like comes right at the camera that's an awesome awesome moment uh, well i didn't like barry allen in the movie he got uh, a quicksilver style moment like a uh, quicksilver from the uh, x-men movies where mm-hmm. he goes and sets everything up like he he does all these fast action stuff in slow motion for us and then real time catches up and they all go flipping which was kind of fun to see in animation. I like that. Uh, what else? Oh, I, uh, I, the only other comment I have about the JSA was I did feel like they kind of played it safe with the characters they picked. Because really, Our Man's the only one on the team that does not either have a JLA analog or isn't kind of mainstream already. I mean, like, 
Black Canary, she's on Legends of Tomorrow. She's also, you know, a JLA member. Hawkman's pretty well known for Legends of Tomorrow or uh, being on the JLA. Flash, obviously. I mean, heck, Jake Eric's in a TV show. Uh, Wonder Woman's got a movie. So really, uh, Our Man was the only one. I, and, and maybe Dr. Fate, I He's suppose. on Stargirl, though. Our Man is. You know, that's true. That's true. Although when they started drawing this, I doubt Stargirl was even out, though, because it takes a while to make these. So, But either way, good point. So it, it just... It felt like a lot of safe choices uh, with the characters. Like I was like, okay, give me, give me Mr. Terrific, you know, <laughs> give me, uh, give me uh, Al Pratt, you know, or something like that. But either way, it was super fun. I, one of the things that I that I liked, and you, you know, Chris, you mentioned earlier about like the uh, the little details they threw in, which is extra work for the animators, which I did appreciate. But like the scene where they go back to their headquarters, and I love that like Black Canary has her mask off. With that whole sequence, like just that little detail. Oh, didn't that's even a, notice. Yeah, that's a lot of it because she's she's back in the you know she's back with her friends. She doesn't need to be not that the domino mask really hides your identity, but that's a comic book conceit. But I like that detail. Like that's extra work for the animators to do to just design it differently to have her look a little different. And they could have just left that black mask on because it's like ah, it's easier. But I like that. That's a character beat that Black Canary is comfortable. These are her friends, mm-hmm. and I like that detail a lot i like that she was probably the most batman like in terms of the ass kicking because Mm. she's probably the weakest physical character she doesn't have superpowers outside of the canary cry so when she's beating guys up she's really just having to use her you know whatever uh her natural abilities are as opposed to our man or wonder woman hawkman or flash so i liked all that stuff i mean ryan what did you think of black canary and i mean that's your 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 character basically you didn't create it of course you you co-created it with robert kaniger uh (laughs) what was your what was your take on black canary in this movie um i i really wanted to like because i like the character i i particularly over over time i have grown to really really prefer her in the world war ii golden age jsa setting um i I think partially based on her costume and just like sort of the spirit of the character i think she she fits in better with that group than with the justice league um so i was really happy to see her inclusion there i also i really like the domino mask inclusion i was glad that that she wore that until the end when she took it off as sort of a a sort of statement uh, uh part of her her character arc um I also do, though, just prefer her as one of the top ten greatest martial artists and not overly reliant on a canary cry. I thought that was kind of overused as her signature weapon, although, you know, she is, I mean, I, I understand as a woman, and it's hard to, harder to find powerful women in this genre anyway, so you don't necessarily want to take away one of the most powerful weapons from the woman character. So I see why she should have the canary cry. And to what Shag was saying earlier, like at the very end when she strips that that monster down to the bones, she's screaming so much that she passes out. That's an intense scene. Uh, and that's great. So I thought, I thought overall she was, she was used well for not, for them having to force kind of like this sort of romance subplot between her and Carter in order to give her something to do. Um, cause that just kind of bugged me, but I, I thought she was fine. I, I thought there was going to be more to it when she, when they first arrived at like the Atlantis outpost, when she was looking at the ships and she seemed to be kind of suspicious. I thought they might be playing something with that, but overall I liked her. It, going around to the other characters, like I thought I, I, I liked our man the most of the core group of heroes. 
Um, I, I thought he was terrific. I just, I like that character and seeing him used really, really effectively physically and occasionally comedically. I thought he, he did really well. Um, I also, I really like Steve Trevor in this. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Character that can all often slip into the background, but I thought he was great. I like the, the voice actor, Chris Dimitopoulos. Um, I, I've seen him in other things. He was in uh, the HBO show Silicon Valley. And I thought he was wonderful in that. Um, so he, he, I thought he was really, really entertaining too. Um, Hawkman, <laughs> Hawkman is another one of those characters that I love. I just rarely see him done well. And this was something where right off the bat, I, I felt like they didn't know what to do with him because when Steve's plane is shot down and it's, it's going to crash and Hawkman goes after him and Flash says, Hawkman will never get to him in time. And he takes off running. I'm like, well, that's, that's the flyer. That's the one guy who could do something useful in this situation. And he's told me that he's useless. So you don't have anything for Hawkman to do in this movie. And then I didn't really care when they killed him off at the end because I was like, eh, so I, that, that was frustrating. But um, I mostly liked Wonder Woman, even though I don't like her with the sword and shield. Um, but I like Wonder Woman. I like Steve. I like Our Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, I, I will say one thing about this. I didn't. I mean, nothing against the actors. I didn't feel like there was a really a strong like the, the voice cast were all good actors, but the voices all kind of sounded the same to me. Uh, the men all kind of sounded alike. I I never got that when Andrea Romano was doing the DC animated stuff. You know, she always had, you know, she always had a good ear for, well, you know, George Newbern's Superman doesn't sound like uh, uh, Michael Rosenbaum's Flash, who doesn't sound like Kevin Conroy's Batman. You know, they all had distinctive voices. They all fit the character. Um, I understand, like, uh, you know, I guess Hawkman, they, they, uh, they, they maybe the actor is actually Egyptian, uh, uh, but uh, so that's great. But at the same time, his voice just, you know, I expect Hawkman to have like a stronger more of a you know deeper gravelly voice or something like that, and he he just didn't he just didn't sound right to me, and so and they all kind of sounded similar to me. It just uh, it, it I was just I was missing that uh, that DCAU voice magic in this one, but I I guess it's been gone for a while now. But since I since we do JLU every every month, I, I still hear all that, and I'm thinking, oh, why doesn't it sound this good? You know, so. <laughs> you make a good point. I mean, Wonder Woman obviously had a standout, different kind of voice that I can mm-hmm. still I can still hear her in my head. And I I, I want to say Steve Trevor and Aquaman also were pretty good. But yeah, everyone else definitely. I, I saw the same thing about Hawkman too. I was like, that's kind of generic. And even the Flash, I love Matt Boomer or uh, Bomber, however you say his name. I think he's fantastic. I, I loved him in Chuck. I've loved him in a bunch of stuff. He wasn't. There's nothing real standout about his Barry Allen. You know, I, I I can't recapture his voice in my head from playing Flash. Um, is he the guy who plays Negative Man on Doom Patrol? Yeah, yes, yes he is. Chris, I wanted to ask you something about. Uh, we were talking about Black Canary stripping the the meat off that monster's bone. This, this movie's rated PG thirteen, uh, yeah. which is a little surprising. Did you watch? Did you let Danny watch it? Did she have any interest, or would you let Danny? Like, do you feel like it's maybe a little too violent for like little? Not that Danny's little anymore, but like. Any of you, would you let, like, little kids watch this, or you feel like it's, like, a little too much? Uh, Danny Danny watched it, and, uh, you know, they're, it's a fantasy creature. I mean, if she did that to a human, even though a Nazi would deserve it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, I I think that might be a little much, but it's it's a fantasy creature. You know, it's it's not no, it's nothing that exists 
in in real life and so you know I, I i wouldn't really have a whole lot of issue if she was a little bit younger watching this one i mean some of the other you know i mean i'm glad this one's not r-rated because the ones they've done are r-rated they drop like one one you know f-bomb in the movie or they they should have one overly gory scene and then the rest of it could easily be pg-13 like this one is so i'm glad they didn't go that because i think that's just silly i think that's just you know, DC and Warner Brothers saying, oh, look, it's adult, it's mature, you know, it's like, it's just, it's like, oh my God, guys, get over yourself, uh, but, uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was like overly excessively, they didn't really, they surprisingly didn't, they, they captured Nazi soldiers, you know, German soldiers, they didn't, I mean, obviously they killed some of them when they were throwing tanks around and stuff, but they, they didn't just like slaughter them, you know, which, which, I know they're Nazis, but at the same time, I don't need to see the JSA just outright slaughtering people, you know. Steve uh, Tre- Steve Trevor straight up uh, killed some Atlanteans. He climbed that tank and just with the machine gun, just blew them all down. Yeah, well, that's true. That was some <laughs> yeah, of that. It's like, wow, not Nazis, yeah. but Atlanteans. Yeah, well, that, yeah, but again, again, like Ryan said, they, they looked like aliens at that point. You know, they looked like Mars attacks aliens almost. You know? <laughs> so, you know, they were just like the brain people that they were just shooting up. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as bad. It's, you know, it's kind of like the killing robots thing almost, you know. Right. So, so I... Th- th- there's, I like the world they created. I like the idea that the JSA is this covert black ops team. You know, I wasn't caught up in the continuity part. I wasn't like, why isn't the spear of destiny in play? They're in Europe. You know, I, I didn't, I don't care that the continuity was different. I went along with the ride. Like, I think all of us have said for the most part, well, maybe Ryan excluding because he hates everything that's good in life, but the JSA scenes were great. The, the team doing what you want to see them do, which is beating up Nazis, was great. And I love that about the movie. I love that it opened with the movie reel, and you could actually see the scratches in the movie reel and the, and the bits of dust that would get caught on the on the film. I loved all of that. So Any movie that opens with FDR, like, I'm already like, oh, all right, I'm listening. I'm here. <laughs> so, I, I, again, I, I think there's a lot to love in this movie. There's a great scenes, great characters, great character beats. I just feel like it didn't string together as a sequence of a story. That wasn't a great story. Yeah, I would agree. I I, I think overall it's uh, if you know my my personal opinion is if if you're a big JSA fan, you should probably you should probably watch it. But just know that it's it it it's got some it's got some issues uh, that I think most JSA fans are going to have a little uh, trouble getting past. Most DC fans are going to have some issues with it. Uh, but there's going to be some some good moments in it that'll 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 pull you through it and make it worth watching. You know, if if worth renting at least. You know. <laughs> well, I think after you watch it once, you know, and you've kind of pulled the bandaid off of those moments, where you're like, what? Um, I think the second, third, fourth, fifth, eighteenth time rewatching will probably be a lot more enjoyable because you're just going to be like, all right, I'm here to watch him kill some Nazis. I'm here to see Wonder Woman fight Aquaman. You know, that, I'm good with this. Yeah, there's so much good stuff out there for us as geeks nowadays. Though you, you, we never have to go back and watch anything twice now if we don't want to, really. So, <laughs> speak for yourself. I'm still watching Doctor Who from the '60s. <laughs> yeah, I mean now because I couldn't rent this thing, now I own it. It's going to be on my Amazon list forever. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to go back to it. I, I am not going to rewatch Aquaman sing Heil Hitler again, though. I mean, I'm just not. I just that just my head just fell when that <laughs> that part happened, but. You know, other than that, you know, I did like, again, it was cool to see Aquaman in this length. And, you know, I mean, I'm not paying super attention to what the DC movies are. I didn't even know that they did some that were R-rated, which, good Lord, I'm rolling my eyes at that idea. (laughs) But I knew that, like, for most of the animated movies, they were all just Superman, Batman, Superman, Batman. 
uh, with some other characters sprinkled in. So I'm really glad that, like, you know, Our Man, we get to see Our Man and Hawkman in an animated movie and given a lot to do. So I really did like that. And and if and I will say, as much as I was disappointed with this movie, if they did another one, if they did Justice Society, whatever, I would I would check it out. I would absolutely check it out because I'd be like, okay, you know, now, as Shaq said, I know probably where they're headed with some of this. I wouldn't be as surprised. But I want to see more of these characters and, and especially more get in like Dr. Fate or Mr. Terrific or Dr. Midnight, like, you know, expand the team and do more stuff. So I would be up for another round of this. Hopefully they would maybe fix some of the, what I perceive as mistakes that they made this time around. I, yeah, I, if they got, if they brought on like a new writing team or like really kind of polished some things up, that, that's what I was going to, I, again, I don't care about this version of Superman and Flash from like Earth One or whatever, but if we stick with the Justice Society characters and picked up from there with the survivors, Wonder Woman, Black Canary, Our Man, Jay Garrick Flash, throw in the uh, Ted Knight Starman and and Dr. Midnight and, and Wildcat and Liberty Bell and some of those other characters and just continued with that, that story and everything and, and kept it more grounded in it. You can do some fantastical stuff with the Spear of Destiny and maybe like the Spectre and some weird metaphysical stuff, but get away from like the weird sci-fi like Atlantis stuff and, and just keep it grounded in, you know, the, the world of world war two that we're familiar with. Then I think, then I would be interested in the scene, the second one, but yeah, this one just had, it had too many things that were either unnecessary or just kind of dumb for me to say this was a good movie. I, I, I couldn't recommend this. It's like there were, there were just story and character beats in this that were as stupid as a Zack Snyder movie. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I forgot to say that the Superman stuff, I was convinced that Shakespeare, uh, which, by the way, I, I, I got to assume that's a, the Shakespeare thing is, you know, a rose by any other name is that, that joke they use with Ken Shakespeare as well. But either way, uh, I was convinced that, that Shakespeare was Tex Thompson, uh, mm. who goes on to be Mr. America in the America Commando, because, I mean, he was an espionage guy in World War II. He had that little pencil, pencil thin mustache. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is going to be fun. Yeah, not so well, much. Speaking of Tex Thompson, I could see them taking – they could take this JSA and do – move it forward a few years and do an adaptation of The Golden Age oh, uh, yeah. by Robinson and Smith. That would that would actually be pretty sweet in animation. Yeah. Tex Thompson was Hitler or was he, he – was he the ultra-humanite? Ultra uh, – Hitler was in uh, – spoiler warnings, he was in uh, Dan the Dynamite's body. So, okay. uh, yeah, Tex Thompson was uh, uh, the ultra-humanite. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. I think uh, we we sort of set our piece, and we were all I think we were all going into this with like really high hopes, and uh, I think we all came away <laughs> slightly disappointed in, in different for different levels. Um, I, you know, if you're a Justice Society fan, I still think go check it out, especially since you can rent it. I'm a big believer in you know renting something. It's like four or five bucks. You can't lose, and so give it a try. If you're a fan of the stuff. Uh, I would still sort of quasi recommend it knowing some of the stuff that we've talked about. Um, but is there anything else we want to say before we wrap up here? Well, Shag, you're the one who has the physical copy of this now. <laughs> is there anything else to recommend about the physical copy about owning it? 
Sure. Uh, it comes with the Commandy short, which I have not had a chance to watch again because this showed a 15 minutes we're supposed to record. But everything I've read is the Commandy short is amazing. It's like saying this is the Commandy movie we've all wanted. This is this is a great tribute to Jack Kirby. So I can't wait to dive into there. In fact, it even starts with Jack Kirby's beloved creation comes to animate a life. Da, 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 da. Goes on with that. Special features include uh, adventures and storytelling about the Justice Society. You get a sneak peek at the next animated DC Universe movie, which is Batman the Long Halloween. And then there is From the Vault two bonus cartoons. I'm not sure what they are yet, but uh, yeah, it's a nice package. I mean, it's it's pretty. It was only 20 bucks, you know, on Amazon. So uh, it again, I do think this is one I will revisit um, because of, again, the action and, and some character beat moments. So, uh, yeah, I think it's worth it. Well, right. it's $20 to buy the digital copy and we don't get the commandy. You know, second thing, so bullshit, Warner Brothers. <laughs> At our Walmart, I saw that they had the Blu-ray DVD combo for 20 bucks right now. So that's actually a pretty good deal, apparently, because it's like 25 29 other places. So I don't know. Now, Walmart is not a sponsor, but it's out there for around 20 bucks. So there you go. <laughs> and if you really want, there's a 4K Ultra HD version as well. So. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Like every, everyone, everyone turned off the, the podcast anyway, right, when you, you, you made the mistake going to asking Ryan his impressions at the very beginning. So, oh, well. <laughs> so, I don't like DC Comics anymore. I just <laughs> Ryan had never heard of the Justice Society until this movie. It was kind of amazing. Literally. Doesn't so, like literally. Star Wars. Doesn't like Justice <laughs> Society. Is there anything he likes? <laughs> So, uh, anyway, <laughs> I guess that is going to do it, Chag, for this episode of Justice Society Presents. It sure is. So, folks, go out on the social media. You can find us on Facebook under the Fire and Water Podcast Network. You can find us as uh, JSA Presents on Twitter. And, of course, you can send us emails and all that jazz. And leave comments on our website. Tell us why you loved it. And tell us everything that we're wrong about, please, because I'd like to hear the other side of the story. And that's at uh, firewaterpodcast.com. Just look for the JSA Presents show. And with that, uh, any closing comments, guys, before we end the day? For America and democracy. There we go. And remember, everybody, join the fight for justice. I'm, I'm from the future. Jay, report. Uh, it's not impossible. I mean, with the speed force. Sounds more like something a Nazi would say. There are things that we don't understand. Forces... I don't want to hear about reincarnation, Carter. Make him talk. What about your lasso? I'll get him to talk. <laughs>